Thank you so much. Well, Terry and Connie are going to play, and the choir's coming down. Our children's church is going to meet over here to my left. Lauren, you've just done such a good job this month. We're so proud. All of our children that would be want to go to children's church, please meet Miss Lauren and her group right over here at the Welcome Center. Don't worry. We'll wait on you. Take your time. It's that important. Amen. Amen. While they're coming, if you want to turn your, your copy of God's Word to Revelation chapter 7, I'd invite you to do that today. And we'll be picking up at verse 9. Revelation chapter 7. And we'll pick up at verse 9 and read through the end of the chapter there in verse 17. Revelation chapter 9. Excuse me, chapter 7, verse 9. See, I'm getting confused. That's the problem. Amen. But everybody doing good today? Good deal, good deal. It's a little wet this morning. I didn't realize how much it rained last night. I uh, saw all this morning. I thought, boy, it really came a pretty good rain last night. And of course, I, I expect them any day to come on the news and tell us how far behind we are, you know, in rainfall. But I don't know about you. I ain't buying it. You know, I think we're good. I think we're good for a while. But we've all lived through times of flood. We've lived through times of drought. And we're just reminded of what the scripture tells us in the book of Isaiah the Lord promised his people he'd always be with them reminds me of an old song that I remember years ago the title of it was I am with thee you probably remember Philip him singing it right it said through the fire through the flood I am covered by the blood amen he's always with us Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 if you found your place in physically able would you stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of the word of God and also it will be on the screens should you need that as well. Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. Continuing with the words that were given to John the Revelator to communicate to us today. Here's what the word of God says. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb all the angels stood around the throne the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. But he said to me, These are the ones who come out of great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them, lead them to living fountains of waters and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes pray with me father in Jesus name I pray father that you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word today 
And Father, that you would help us in our limited abilities to comprehend. God, that you would give us supernatural understanding today as we look into your word that we might be enlightened to the truth of what is to come to this world. We might be encouraged as children of God in our own faith. And we might be inspired to go tell the world in this day of grace to come to Jesus. And I pray, Father, you'd be glorified to my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Last week, we began to somewhat unpack this seventh chapter of Revelation. We did so by focusing our attention on verses 1 through 8 last week. And we learned that the seventh chapter of Revelation is an intermission point between the opening of the sixth and the seventh seals of God's wrath that will be poured out on this world. We learned that this pause involves the sealing of 144,000 Jews who will be supernaturally protected from any physical harm by the Lord and will be used to proclaim the gospel during the tribulation period. We learn that God will use his 144,000 evangelists, if you will, in a very powerful way to accomplish his divine purpose. We talked about the survivors of the tribulation, those Jews that will survive the tribulation simply because they will be sealed with the mark of God on their heart and life. They will not experience the pain and death of others and they will be, have the responsibility of proclaiming the gospel to the world. Well, in our text today, we're going to notice the second group. We'll notice that this group that I'm calling the saints of tribulation, their identification is entirely different from those survivors, those Jewish 144,000. You see, those sealed survivors of tribulation are all Jews. The saints, or the martyrs of tribulation, also include a great number, predominantly Gentiles, that's you and me, who will be saved, yet their surrender to Christ and their defiance of the Antichrist will come at a very great cost to them. They will suffer persecution. They will suffer hunger because they will not be able to buy nor sell without receiving the mark of the beast. They will experience thirst. They will experience lack of shelter. And ultimately, it will cost them their lives as they will be martyred for their allegiance to Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know the Word of God has so much to say to us about this particular time period that I believe that it begs our attention to look closely at these saints, these who will be martyred for their defiance of Antichrist, their embracing of the gospel through the proclaiming of the message of those saints that are sealed in the earlier verses. Let's walk through the text together today and let's see what the Word of God has to teach us. Well, the first thing he teaches us about these saints is there is a great multitude of saints. See, these people who are saved and become believers during the tribulation hour will do so through the testimony of the 144,000 sealed Jews. You see, the message that they proclaim will be rejected by many, of course, 
especially those who will follow Antichrist, those who will believe that he is the source of peace and prosperity, yet the gospel will be received by many who receive Christ as Lord and will pay a great cost. Notice some interesting descriptions of this multitude. The first thing John tells us is that the multitude is innumerable. He says, a great multitude <laughs> which no one can count. I can remember being in the third grade over here at, the, at this uh, great uh, institution of higher learning, Cleveland County Elementary School. And uh, in third grade, Miss Gloria Bennett was my teacher, and I loved her very much and still do to this day and learned so much from her. I did. And uh, I remember asking in a math class one day, I always had some off-the-wall question. I know that shocks y'all that that would be true. But I always did, and I said to her, Miss Bennett, what is the highest number? What's the last number? I mean, there's, there's got to be. I mean, there's A and Z in the alphabet. There's got to be a number that is the highest number. You can't count any higher. And I remember her telling me, nobody knows because numbers just keep going on and on. There is no last number. And every time I would read this text, I would think about that. I would think it must be a number higher than any man could count. But notice the great revival that's taking place. The number is exponentially higher than anyone has ever fathomed before. Now think about some great revivals in Scripture. Think about the day of Pentecost, the day that the church was birthed in Acts chapter 2. The Bible tells us that 3,000 people got saved that day. I think most Southern Baptists would call it a day and say, we'll take the rest of the year off. No, but the Bible said in the very, very next verse, in verse 42, that they continued steadfastly in prayers and in the apostles' doctrine. Oh, at Nineveh, it is estimated that one million people uh, came, uh, were saved from destruction. I'd say a million's a bunch, right? Moses led three million people who responded to the way of redemption through the blood of the Lamb these were all great victories, 3,000, 1 million, 3 million, yet these victories will pale in comparison to the number of souls that will be won to faith in Jesus Christ during the great tribulation. And let me remind you in case you ever forget this. I meet people all the time and have throughout my ministry, I made reference to it a week or two ago, who say, I'm just going to live it up right now. I'm going to kick up my heels. I'm going to party hardy. I'm going, I'm going to dance on the bar and shoot out the lights. I'm going, to be, I, I'm going to just do what I want to do. I'm going to live for me. And during tribulation, I will reject the mark of the beast. I will not follow Antichrist, and I will give my life as a martyr for Jesus Christ. Friend, if you're believing that today, you need to be enlightened while there's still time. There is not one shred of biblical evidence that lends itself to support that position. If you are hearing the gospel in the day of grace that Jesus Christ went to the cross, bled and died for your sins and went to a borrowed tomb, got up from the dead to conquer death, hell, and the grave, if you're hearing that in this day, today is your day of salvation because in the day of tribulation, according to the Apostle Paul, 2 Thessalonians, there will be a spirit of strong delusion will come across this world. 
And those who are saying, well, I'll just wait. And if you won't come to Jesus today when people will cheer for you, what makes you think you'll come to Jesus when they're going to kill you? Don't put it off. Yes, there will be multitudes saved, but those multitudes will involve those who have yet to hear the gospel. I'm going to support that. You say, well, preacher, if you're going to say something, support it. Well, just stay tuned, brethren, and listen. See, these words remind us again of the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. In Genesis 15, 5, and in Genesis 32, 12, he told him that the number of his descendants would be as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. The number of saints that John saw standing before the throne were as innumerable as the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky. It's an innumerable multitude, but here's another word. It's also an international multitude. All nations, all tribes, even the tribe from Ohatchee, right? <laughs> Just checking, I got a couple Ohatchee engines in here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have to check y'all every now and then to make sure I haven't lost y'all, right? Of all Indians, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. I told you I was going to support what I said about the gospel getting to the ends of the earth. And here's what we know. A report that's a few years old from our International Mission Board tells us that there are 11,243 people groups on the planet. That's almost as many people as there are in Cleveland County. That's one people group per person. <laughs> right now... According to that report, it's a little old. I don't know if this is, but it's still high. 3,056 are currently classified as unengaged. Means they have yet to be engaged with the gospel. Over 3.7 billion people have still not had an adequate opportunity to hear the gospel. Oh, but they will. I hear these preachers sometimes saying, we've got to hurry up and get it to those people so Jesus can come back. No, we don't. We don't have to do anything for Jesus to come back. The only thing that is keeping Jesus from coming back is the word of the Father and the blowing of the trumpet. Here's what John Phillips said. He said the persecuted saints during the tribulation, they'll be fleeing from country to country and they will carry a real epidemic of revival. Wow, we've had an epidemic of virus. I'm ready for one of revival. <laughs> Amen. See, the more the beast fans the flames of repression, the more the Holy Ghost will fan the flames of revival. Oh, listen to me. He said the church may not, and I say probably won't, reach every kindred and tongue, but the tribulation saints will. They're going to have ways to get around. They're going to have technology. They're going to be going from place as flaming evangelists with the gospel. We don't have to reach it. We should keep reaching every people group we can so there's less for them to get to. But, let's, but ultimately, that's when every person will hear the gospel. People from all walks of life will surrender. And listen how John saw them. 
They were standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They're no longer under the altar. They're no longer suffering the pains of tribulation. They are in the presence of the Lord. It's an international multitude, but there's another thing. It's also an incorruptible multitude. The Bible says they clothe with white robes. Wesley, you remember Gold City? In my robe of white, I will fly away. Oh, Brian Free. To a land so fair with my Jesus there. Y'all want to hear the rest of that? Uh, everybody's going, you know, the gong show. Boom, where's Chuck Barris, right? It will be so grand when I get to that land. In my robe of white, I will fly away. Whatever, amen. All I know is it's false. <laughs> Hear me. Clothed with white robe with palm branches in their hands. Stay with me, church. What does it mean to be clothed in white robes? Well, it symbolizes their purity. Not that they have in and of themselves, but through the blood of the Lamb. It speaks of virtue, a virtuous life, that they live not before coming to Christ, but after. See, you're here today and you say, wait a minute, preacher. You say in my heart's black with sin. If you're lost without God, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, it is. And you're telling me I'm going to be cleansed with the red blood of Jesus, but it's going to make me white as snow. That makes no sense. I don't know how that happens. How does a black heart uh, have red blood applied to it come out white as snow? I don't have to make sense out of everything. I don't know how a black cow eats green grass and makes white milk, but I guarantee you it works. Amen? Oh, here's what the Word of God says in Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be orange like Clemson, they shall be as wool. Y'all didn't know that was in the Bible? A little lost in translation, right? It says red like crimson, but something's messed up. It's orange like Clemson, right? <laughs> Some of you didn't even catch that. Y'all get home this afternoon. <laughs> oh, but listen. They were clothed in white robes because now, even though they were lost in their sins, they are pure and clean before God. And he also says they have palm branches in their hands which represent celebration, deliverance, jubilation. They are preparing to have church. You see, in the Old Testament, God's people celebrated with palm branches. They did so to acknowledge God's provision in the wilderness at the Feast of the Tabernacles. You probably know those palm branches best from the New Testament account of when Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem one week before his crucifixion. Seven days earlier, they're putting down palm branches and crying, Hosanna. Seven days later, he's crucified. They see the redeemed saints. Here's what was happening. They were worshiping the Lord, but can I tell you, the worship service is just getting started. The multitude of saints were innumerable. They were international. They were incorruptible. Let me tell you a second thing. They look at verse 10. Notice the message of the saints. You see in verses 10 through 12 that they're crying out. But they're no longer crying out in pain. They're no longer crying out for vengeance on their persecutors. 
Now they are crying out in praise to the one who sits on the throne. You ever heard anybody cry out in pain knowing they were excruciating her and then when they were relieved of that pain, the calm and joy that came and then the praise that would follow for the child of God, that's what was happening here. Notice there was a declaration of salvation. They were crying out, meaning in the original language, it was a continual cry with a loud voice. Do y'all know it's going to be okay to be loud in heaven? My Pentecostal brethren, they're going to be right at home. My Baptist brethren, probably going to need a little work. My Presbyterian and on down, they're going to be scared to death. Amen. They're going to say, hey, who's that on the table? That's the Presbyterian and the Methodists over there. They're a little freaked out. But anyhow, but I'm, I'm probably, since I'm, you know, I, I've got a Baptist theology. I, I, I've got a Pentecostal heart, and I've got Jehovah Witness feet, so I'm a Baptocostal witness. So, you know, I, I'm going to be right at home with my Pentecostal brethren, right? No, they're crying out in a loud voice. They are gloriously unashamed. You know what? Some people won't praise God openly. They're a little bit ashamed of what other people are going to think. I never forget when God called me to ministry as a teenage boy. I remember saying, God, I can't do this. And I don't know anybody else. I'll be all by myself. I don't know what to do. And God really spoke to my heart and said, Son, you've been following people all your life. It's time now you step out and begin to lead and quit being a follower. Man, they were unashamed because they were in the presence of one who had rewarded them, one who had taken away the penalty and now even the presence of sin. They cried, salvation be to our God, saying, he's the only way. There is no other way. If you're trying to find another way, if you're trying to get to heaven because you think you're good, well, that way you're bad. This is not a balance where you try to just get a little more good than bad. You will never be good enough. You can't get to heaven on your goodness. You must come by the way of the cross. You must trust Jesus Christ because only his goodness and his purity will get you to heaven. But I believe some saved folks today have just enough religion, not doubting they're children of God, but they're more religious than they are righteous. They're more about keeping the rules than they are focusing on the relationship. I believe some folks today just got over what it means to be a child of God. <laughs> some of them just got over the one Think about, you know, I'm old enough now that I've seen a lot of change in my life. Some of you are older than me, and you have too. Some of you used to go to church in horse and buggies and stuff. I, I can't even tell you. I mean, Clara and Jimmy Bragg. But, but uh, I've seen a lot of change in things in my lifetime. You, you remember when you got maybe something new or something when you were growing up, and it, was, it really was, you just captured the wonder. I'll never forget when I was growing up, I spent a lot of time with my grandmother who I, I told, I was talking to Burgess Austin the other day, and I said, Burgess, if it wasn't for you and a praying grandmother, I don't know if I'd ever knew Jesus. But I spent a lot of time with her. And, and you know, it was kind of neat. My Uncle Larry lived at home until he was 40. And uh, so me and my 
my cousins, we had us a big bro. And my Uncle Larry is so tight. Yeah, y'all, y'all know Larry. I, I, he is tight. He squeaks when he walks. He can squeeze a dime and give you 12 cents change. I mean, he, <laughs> <coughs> and we, every now and then, I mean, we just try to get him to stop by the, we call it Dairy Queen. Eh? So get an ice cream cone. They cost about a quarter at one point. Eh? No, no, I ain't, I ain't got no money. You get all over my car. He wasn't just not tight, he was neat. But at Christmas, something always happened to old Uncle Larry. He got soft a little bit. He wouldn't buy nothing, he didn't have money. But at Christmas, he gave wonderful gifts. I mean, he came out with the good stuff. And one Christmas, I'll never forget, I was about six or seven years old, and you know, I was evil could evil. And I got the broken bones to prove it. And one Christmas, he got me the, it was a huge box. You know, when you're a little kid, the bigger the box, the more awesome this is going to be. A huge box. And I'm thinking, wow. And opened it up, and it was an evil Knievel obstacle course. And it had the little plastic little flags you put up all over the yard. On it. And it had a little bar you wrote over that started the timer. And when you came back over it, I'm not sure how accurate the timer was. It was one of them. But then I remember thinking, man, this is the most awesome thing I've ever seen. And it came from my Uncle Larry, the tightest dude I know. <laughs> and I remember having such wonder over that gift. And I remember being so excited about it. And I'd set it up and I'd ride my evil Knievel bicycle and I would wreck and I would try to beat the time and I would I would cheat and I would do all this kind of stuff. And, and uh, man, that was so awesome. But do y'all know what? Y'all ain't gonna believe this. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> the only thing I still, I got my Lionel Black River Freight 76 still in the box. I got that. I got some baseball gloves. Stuff like that. But you know how much stuff that used to be so wondrous to me that I even still possess? There's an answer. Very little. Sometimes we treat Jesus like that, don't we? Oh, we've been walking with Jesus for a while. We've been going to church, maybe singing in the choir or teaching Sunday school class. And we just go, I'm just, and we just get, so we call it bogged down, burn out, whatever. And I believe a lot of the reason for that is we focus more on what we do instead of allowing him to work in us. I've done it. I've been, I've been guilty. I've been so focused on what people say about me been so focused on what people do or don't do, been so focused on the outward things instead of what God is doing within me. I'll tell you what, God is helping me. He's liberating me from so much of that and he's helping me to walk in the joy of the Lord. I mean, I've even taken up a few hobbies now. I used to never have hobbies because I thought it took away. You know what, you need something, man. Right now, man, I've been restoring old 74 Yamaha in my shop and man, it has been so fun. Y'all think, I'll tell you what, my preacher got time to throw a motorcycle. He ain't visited me. I'm going tell you right now. Glazy old preacher. Preacher, take a day off. Well, devil won't even take a day off. That's right. And if I don't take a day off, I'll be just like the devil. <laughs> you want me to. Well, it's fun. Say, preacher, when are you going to get done? Maybe 2026. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to find parts, stuff like that. I mean, but it's just been fun. Just, there's some rust and there's some dirt and there's some grease that has been on that motorcycle for 49 years 
You say, well, I got the best grease removed. Well, I'll tell you what, once you do one, you're going to scrub, you're going to do it. I mean, it's just been there. You know why? Because it's been unattended. And if you leave your spiritual life unattended, you will rust. You'll get greasy. You'll get grimy. But if you give attention to your relationship with God and you cry out to God on a regular basis and make sure that your relationship and fellowship is good with him, boy, he can help you. Just remember what it took for God to save you. It took a rugged cross. It took God's only son. But thank God there's an empty tomb. He got up from the dead, church. So that's when we sing. We don't have to hold back because, well, I mean, we can give it. Well, you ever heard anybody? Nobody sings this. It goes, up from the grave he arose. No, it's up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph over the foe. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose, he arose. Thank God he arose. Amen. Amen. But notice with me how they worship God. Walk through the text with me here. I'm probably getting ahead of myself. I talked about a declaration of salvation, but notice a demonstration of exaltation. This innumerable number of saints are now ready. They've been warming up. They've been giving you the prelude. About to kick into high gear, but they're not alone. Look who's with them. There's the angels who are God's servants. There are the elders which represent the raptured church. There are four living creatures or cherubim which are the exalted order of angels. The Bible says they fall on their face. This scene is sacred. And they're overwhelmed at God's glory. But notice how they worship God. Look what the scripture says. It says blessing, which is a word of praise. It says glory, which is honor derived from one's character or good reputation. It is the radiance of the outs, uh, outshining of the divine person. It says wisdom, which is divine knowledge or perspective on all things, especially the outworking of God's plan of salvation. Bible said they gave thanksgiving. Wait a minute. Preacher, does that mean they cooked a turkey and they had some dressing? No. It means that they were honoring God for the blessing of salvation. It says that they gave him honor, which means they esteemed him. And it was public and deserved recognition. The Bible says they gave him glory for his power, which is God's omnipotence, his ability to act as he wills. It's not our will, it's his. They talked about his might, which is often related to his acts in salvation history. Boy, I love this. We've got to think about it. So who are they giving all this praise to? They're giving it to the only God who's worthy. Listen to what Danny Aiken said. He said, the word of worship that they give is not temporary, it is eternal. It is not for a moment, but forever. This is the praise of all nations and angels that is ringing through the corridors of heaven. Then notice the last section with me, if you will. Notice the meaning of the saints real quick. 
See, the scene that you're about to see, it turns from worship to give us further explanation into the identification of these saints. Notice their identification in verses 13 and 14. John gets asked a question that he doesn't know the answer to. Has that ever happened to y'all? Y'all have all the answers, right? Nobody ever asks you a question you don't have the answer to. Sure they do. I remember as a young pastor, used to worry me and bother me when I didn't know the answers. And I've learned, one of the most liberating things I've learned to do is when people come ask me questions sometimes and, and ask me, it may be hard or whatever, I'll just say, if I don't know, I'll be honest with them. I don't know. Well, you're supposed to know everything. You're the preacher. No. But I always tell them this, I don't know, but I'll help you find out. See, I used to think I needed to know the answer, but I've realized that walking with Jesus is not an episode of Jeopardy. Amen? Walking with Jesus is a journey. And it takes a life commitment. He didn't know the answer. His answer that he gave when he said, you know, I don't know. It was both an acknowledgement of his lack of knowledge, but it was also a request for further revelation. You know what his answer was in doing? Anticipating that he was about to find out. Uh, so John quickly realizes that he was not allowed to see this vision for the purpose of just recording a spectacular display. But he is seeing this vision that he might convey God's revelation to the world. When he referred to the man as sir, some translations say Lord. It's the same Greek word, kurios. And when they see Lord, they think, well, he's talking to God. No, you got to understand there's different words. This word is not for Lord as in acknowledging our Father, it is acknowledging not deity, but a title that is given to people of great respect. When he referred to him as Sir or Lord, he was showing his respect, and here's what the elder identifies. He identifies them as those who are redeemed out of great tribulation. That's an important part. That word great means that they are delivered out of the most intense part of the tribulation period. John MacArthur said this, said they lived in it, were redeemed during it, and now they've come out of it through death by violence, natural causes, and martyrdom. They've been there. They know the story. He talks about these are the ones who came out or come out. It's important to understand that those words are given in the present durative participle. Y'all didn't know I knew fancy stuff like that, right? You say, why is that so important? Because it denotes a prolonged process. See, this group will keep growing as more are added by professing Christ. Notice not only their identification, but would you notice their habitation? Verse 15. The redeemed are still before the throne. They ain't moved. <laughs> I got a feeling when we get before the throne, we're not going to be in a hurry to check nothing else out because that's going to be the central piece of glory. Amen? Their access is only allowed because they've been washed white and made pure. I believe a lot of people today haven't been washed white. They've just been whitewashed. They know about God in their head, never received Him as personal Lord and Savior, never repented of their sins, never seen a change in their life, just kept being the same old person. They say, well, I know I'm going to heaven. If you did not change, you do not know Jesus because when you know Jesus, you will change. They serve the Lord continually, and they will dwell. That's also the word shepherd. 
They will dwell with them. They will shepherd them. Notice with me the last part, their preservation. I got to give you this and I'm done. Their preservation is detailed in what we read in verses 16 and 17. No longer will they be subject to pain. Is that good news? No longer will they be subject to hunger and thirst. Even the elements of the earth, the wind, the rain, the heat. Why? Because the lamb will shepherd them. Thank God. He will lead them to the living fountains of water. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You're going to read that again in Revelation 21. Amen. But speaking directly to these tribulation saints, look what he's going to do for them. He's going to shepherd them. Means he's going to care for them. He's going to provide for them. Means he will lead them beside still waters. Lead them by living waters. He will prepare for them a table in the presence of their enemies. I love that Psalm 23 where the, the psalmist said, listen, he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. What he's saying is the enemies are still present, but I'm so comfortable where I am with my shepherd that I can sit down and eat dinner. Do y'all sit down and eat dinner? If you're in a strain, now years ago when I, before I, when I was pastoring in Georgia, I kind of had a thing. When I went into a restaurant, I always had to be where I could see the door. <laughs> I was a dangerous preacher, amen. No, because I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, I had a lot of things happen I didn't know. You'd be surprised, I'll tell you about them sometime. But I wanted, I like to be able to sit down with my family and be at peace. Oh, the shepherd makes that possible. And the reason all of this is possible is because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Y'all ever heard of a lady named Corey Ten Boom? Corey Ten Boom was a survivor of the Holocaust. Some people would tell you it didn't happen, but it did. She experienced this, and I want to leave you this morning. I want you to stay tuned. Two minutes, two seconds because you need to hear what this devout follower of Jesus Christ had to say. She said the blood of Jesus has great power. She said there is perhaps no phrase in the Bible that is so full of secret truth as the blood of Jesus. It is the secret of his incarnation when Jesus took on flesh and blood. The secret of his obedience unto death when he gave his life at the cross of Calvary. The secret of his love that went beyond all understanding when he bought us with his blood. It is the secret of eternal salvation. Wow. This lady got a little glimpse going living through the Holocaust. She said, that's bad. And it was bad. But it will pale in comparison to what people will see during the days of great tribulation. While we are still in the day of grace, friend, come to Jesus. Not for the preacher, not for the church, but because of two things. One, you don't want to spend eternity separated from God forever. You don't want to have to live through times like I'm describing for you. You want to come to Jesus, be born again, so that he, according
according to Revelation 3.10 to keep us safe from the hour of temptation. He's going to get his church out. You want to be in that number. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, <coughs> I thank you for your word today. I thank you for how it speaks to my heart and how it challenges me in every way. Father, in this room today, there are many needs. There are many decisions that need to be made and many lives that need to be changed. Father, I pray today, through your grace, through the working of your word and in the power of your spirit, you will set people free from the bondage of living for themselves or caring what other people think. That they will come to Jesus and you will be glorified in Christ's name. Heads about, eyes are closed. Here's the invitation today. You have heard the gospel and you're accountable for what you hear. I'm accountable to deliver and I pray I've honored God. But you are accountable for what you hear. Just a few moments, we're going to play, stand and sing. But if God has spoken to your heart about any decision you need to make for him, don't delay. Step into the nearest aisle, very first word, the very first verse come to Jesus today because I want you to know there's a lot of decisions in your life that you may regret and you may be sorry you made but you will never regret the decision to give your life completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ so in just a few minutes we're going to stand I'm going to invite you to honor what God is leading you to do today and we will rejoice with you we will give him glory and we will celebrate the victory that God's bringing in your life. Father, I pray on this invitation time, God, that you receive glory. I'm praying, Father, that the decisions that will be made today will be ones made from the heart to your heart. And may you ultimately receive all glory and all praise. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Let's stand at our feet all across the house. As God speaks to your heart, you be obedient today and you come. Marty, when you're ready.
display in Miss County. Won't you look this way just for a second? God is working a great work among our students. God is changing lives, and, and I just want you to know what a blessing it is. But maybe you're here today, maybe you've been holding back a little bit, and just maybe felt like you didn't have the courage or whatever to make the decision you need to make. Maybe you're worried about being in front of people. We'd never embarrass anybody, never ask you to say a word. So if you have those fears, you can put those aside. But maybe through the testimony of young people, you might say, hey, God's up to something. He means business. And I need to get in on what God's doing. And I need to follow Him. Even as a child of God, you may have decisions you need to make about your service to the Lord and where you serve Him. We invite you to make the decision God's leading you to make today. Because we really believe God's up to something special right here in Ethan, Alabama. Amen. We'd love to see God use you as a part of it. We're going to sing another verse. God's dealing with your heart. We're in no hurry. We're here for you. Your eternal destination and your service to God is more important to us than anything at all right now. So would you come, Marty, you lead us. Honor the Lord with your decision today. Let's make this our prayer so much this morning. I need you more. I need you Y'all please be seated. Our ushers are going to come in just a second. Y'all just hold tight there for me, guys. We can make some room for y'all if y'all want to scoot in there and get a few seats. And I think we've got a few over here by Mr. Chris, too, if y'all need those. and <coughs> That should be good. We'll have to get y'all right back up here in just a moment. Noah, how you doing today? Good, you forward man, ain't you? You know what I am, too, man. You know why I'm really a forward man? Because I've been driving Chevy about three years. <laughs> I'm just picking with you. I love Noah. He loves Jesus, and he's not ashamed, I tell you. Uh, he's blessing us. And I love all these guys. Love all y'all. Nothing you can do about it. Right now is our time. We worship through giving. So when we give today, we give from our hearts to the Lord. Amen. And we don't give to him because he's broke. We don't give to him because there's Christ in heaven. We give out of a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of worship because he is our source. Church, our, we, we would be limited to do the things that God is using us to do if we stopped short of being faithful in
believing that the tithe is holy unto the Lord. So if you give today, you give knowing that you're not, this is not an expense, it's an investment in eternity. Declares your obedience and your dependence. And I, I meet younger guys now that are discounting and disputing the need to teach people biblical stewardship. And I want you to know it may sound old and archaic that the tithe is holy unto the Lord, but he said it a long time before any of us was born and what he said he means, and it is. It is the way God chooses to bless and use his people to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's join our hearts together today. Let's give from our hearts, not holding back, and let's ask God to bless our giving.
Y'all know I told you a story about the little boys that was arguing about whose daddy made the most money. One day he said, one little boy said, well, my daddy's a rocket scientist. He told how much money he makes. Man, that's a lot. The other guy said, well, my daddy, he's, he's a doctor. He works on people's heart. So that's a lot. The old boy stood up and said, how about you? He said, oh, that ain't nothing. My daddy's a preacher, and it takes six men to tote his payday out every way. So. <laughs> Lord, how we wish that was true, though. <laughs> There's a lot of things about the pastor that I wish were true, especially that one hour a week thing. Yeah, I, I, or one, uh, one day a week. I'd give anything if that was true. Wouldn't you, Brother Larry? That would just be awesome, wouldn't it? Hey, a couple of things. Uh, we've been... Uh, making you aware of our from our partners in Utah, Dixie and Shane Wise, that were here in 2019. Hopefully we'll get them back soon, share more with us. They have been putting together a uh, video curriculum series that is to help people get out of Mormonism and to meet Christ. Pretty awesome stuff. Fifth and sixth generation Mormons, they are. It's called A Journey of Grace. And at, where can they get the link on? Is the link on our website, Steve? Okay, just put it on our website and that'll be easy. Okay, Steve's gonna put a link on our website today for it. He said, "I don't know how I get their websites on the back of that uh, Connect card, or you can scan that QR code." I'm fired up about that technology. Amen. Yeah, I mean, boy, this is hip, man. Right, so anyhow, uh, that'll be on there. And if you want to, and look, if you, you view them, uh, please do. But know that in the very near future, we're gonna put together a time where we come together as a discipleship group, maybe on a Sunday afternoon or something here in the future to view those together and discuss and learn from each other, okay? So do remember that as you take a look at those, okay? Hey, I got a special group I want to present to you. Y'all all come up here, girls and gals, and turn around here. I'll tell you. Uh, let me just start here on this. Uh, these are young folks at, at our uh, youth retreat. We're still working with a few more. Made decisions for Christ. Going to follow the Lord and believe his baptism. Miss Allie Patey, Miss Rihanna Pope, Miss Madeline Minner, Mr. Tucker, the Hitman Gaines, right? <laughs> Secret weapon, boys. I'm telling you, man, he's going to be laying them out this year. Brody Gaines, his older brother, and I'm proud of you guys. Camden Bean, Kobe Hill, right? Is that right? We'll make sure it's there, right? It's H A L E, not H E L L, right? Okay. All right. Kobe, I love Kobe. Cade Schubert, right here. I love Cade. He's made a decision. And check out right here, Randall Brown. I knew this boy was a brown when I laid eyes on him. I said, you look like Donald and Marcus. He said, they my brothers. <laughs> nah. I said, Randall, I tell you what. I said, Lord bless him. Do you realize this guy goes through torture? Uh, but anyhow, it's wonderful here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine students. And there are some more. I mean, Mr. Guthrie's going to be baptized with them on that day on February 5th. It's going to be a great day. We've got a few more that we're working with, and we're excited about what God is going to do on that day. So would you let these students know how much you love them? Just remain standing, if you will, because, like I said, I want you to come by on your way out. Let these young folks know you love them. Let me pray for them, because listen to me. When God moves like that, it puts some blips on the radars of hell. Amen? 
and he's going to show up and he's going to tempt these young folks and he's going to put things in their path to try to make them think God didn't mean it or they didn't mean it or going to try to deter them off into the world and your prayers, listen to me, can literally stand as a buffer for them. And you let them know you're going to be praying for them, praying for their families. I'm going to be out front here too. Anybody needs anything, if you say, hey, I need to make a decision today, and I do it. That's why we're here. I'm in no hurry to go anywhere. You know why? You say, you know, preacher, ain't it dinner time? I got six months worth stored up right now. <laughs> let me tell y'all something happened to the gym up day. You got these little boys, you know, they get some little muscles, and they get in front of that mirror at the gym, and they start doing all this stuff. They're taking pictures of the tattoo down their leg. I went up to this guy and I pulled up my shirt and I went, get you a picture of that, big boy. <laughs> I said, you want something to show them? Put, uh, anyhow. And you did that. I did. I said, get you a picture of that, man. I said, that's, a, that's millions of dollars right there investing. <laughs> hey, it's a great day. It's an awesome day. Look here. And we ain't finished yet. We're just getting started. All right, and remember this. I love you. Y'all say it. Ain't nothing you can do about it. Amen. Marty, come sing us out. Y'all come let these young folks know. We'll see you on Wednesday. Let's sing about the victory he's won for us. Oh, victory. It